When you change your floor, it changes the whole room. Right now, save more on the floor of your dreams from LL Flooring. Save up to $500 on top of our already low prices. With a purchase of $1,500 or more, you'll receive a digital Visa gift card rebate. Visit llcashback.com for details. Choose from our selection of quality floors and get special financing. Lumber Liquidators is now LL Flooring. These are the floors homes are built on. Donato's just didn't add bacon to their pizzas. They added bacon to their bacon. Canadian bacon and hardwood smoked bacon. Or Canadian bacon and Chipotle seasoned bacon. Get $2 off a large bacon duo or any large pizza. Use promo code 2. Donato's. Every piece is important. You're listening to Castrol CarCast on Podcast One. Well, we uh, eulogized the great Sterling Moss on this episode. Also, get into uh, fuel tank bladders. Some interesting info in that world. And uh, a, an astounding revelation about uh, Venice Beach, California in the mid-60s. And how yeah. the place had a lot of range back then. <laughs> yeah, it did. And then we touch a little bit on the Mustang Mach-E <laughs> electric vehicles. What's going to happen in the next two years? Yeah, all good stuff. First, Tommy John for the next few weeks or God forbid months, people are going to be trapped in their home. You want to be comfortable. And that means uh, comfortable loungewear and underwear from Tommy John for a limited time. All customers get 20% off site wise, plus free shipping, softest, most breathable proprietary fabrics perform like nothing you've ever worn before. I got the no roll waistbands. And the no wedgie guarantee, by the way, no visible panty lines for the ladies. The stuff is top shelf. The fabrics are great, soft and breathable. It it dries really fast. So it's like if I hit my rowing machine and work up a little lather in my Tommy Johns, I just hang them out in my bathroom. I just air dry them. I put them on the next day. Save water, save electricity. You'll love Tommy John. Best pair you'll ever wear. It's free guarantee, right, Matt? Yeah, hurry to uh, TommyJohn.com slash CarCast for 20% off your first order. That's TommyJohn.com slash CarCast for 20% off. TommyJohn.com slash CarCast. Yeah, get it on. Got to get it on. The truck picking on Mandy. Get on. Welcome to CarCast. I'm Matt Pearl. It's Matt, the moderator, DeAndrea, over Hello. there. Hey, man. How you doing? Nice robe. Thank you. Jimmy Kimmel bought it for me some years ago. Get a good robe, everybody. Boy, I'll tell you, it's really paying dividends. Yeah, I got up. Um, I got up a little late in the swimming pool. I, uh, I actually, you know, there's a point when you make things like TV shows and movies and documentaries and stuff. There's a point where you get enough distance from the project where it's not really yours anymore. You could just watch it. You know, you could you can literally just watch an old movie or an old something you did. And especially when you're not in it, you know, you're, you're kind of removed from it. And um, I ran into Mark. Well, I didn't run into Mark Garagos. I saw Mark Garagos yesterday and I saw him at the shop. He loved the uh, Newman uh, GT3 Porsche uh, 
petite Lamar car. I don't even know what is that thing a GT three. What is that thing? Yeah, called? it's a and it's a it's a two thousand. So you know, just right. some reference. It's fairly modern. Yeah, Mark loved that car. Anyway, started talking and he just uh, looked at me and he went. Um, Man, I, I, I don't know how I missed it the first time around, but the, the 24-hour war, man, what a story. <laughs> and uh, he said, you know, 10 minutes in, he was just drawn in. And it just kept going, you know, and I was like, yeah, 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 it's a cool story. Uh, I don't think I've watched that movie, you know, in months or years or whatever it came out. Like, I have saw, you know, you see a thousand different versions of it. Anyway, last night I was like, had Mark's v- voice ringing my ear about uh, the 24-hour war and uh i just like watched the first hour of it i just watched it like i never made it i was just like man this is good like i love this story look at these italian guys and ferrari <laughs> and and then i was like looking at it and i was like oh that's ken miles from ford v ferrari that's what he really looked like you know yeah and i was uh i was just kind of enjoying it as a as a spectator so uh what a day what a story i don't i don't think that'll ever God, you think about those times. Like, think about California right now. Yeah. What colossal fucking pussies we've all turned into. <laughs> and then think about Carol Shelby and those guys in those days in Venice Beach. Yeah. Actually, I was thinking about, um, I also had it on my mind, too, because right about the time, I've never really uh, thought about this, but I interviewed last week on ACS Robbie Krieger the guitar player from the doors and those guys had like met and were hanging out in Venice Beach probably you know the band sort of formed in like 1965 so like Shelby was there Shelby was building Cobras I guess the Daytona was probably first built in 64 so you have to look up like what month that was in 64. But at the same time, Shelby was like doing his thing in Venice Beach. Uh, Jim Morrison and Ray Manzarek were like doing their thing like 200 feet away. They yeah. couldn't have been more different. Now everyone's just a big fucking pussy. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's what we've turned into. But that's what we used to be. We used to be that. I uh, I watched... When Ford v Ferrari came out, I watched uh, the Shelby dock and then Ford v Ferrari like back to back. Like watched the dock, then went to the theater and saw Ford v Ferrari, and just kind of wanted to see them sort of back to back and go, "Oh, this is this is the story and what these guys did, and here's sort of the the, the romantic version that Hollywood put together and and." Uh, both, and we, I know we've said this before, both films are fantastic. You can kind of pick the facts out of the doc and compare it to the movie, but the movie's still very good and entertaining in its own right. You know, like mm-hmm. it's just a good standalone movie, regardless of some of the facts changing here and there. But uh, uh, you weren't disappointed. I know a lot of people are like, you know, I, this part I don't get. It's like every time a movie comes out, somebody goes, the book was better. It's like, okay but i didn't read the book i just saw the movie so it was fine <laughs> you know and uh i uh, think there's a little i i think there's a little pressure on car car guys you know what i mean like yeah the you know the patrick dempsey's of the world 
and guys like that to kind of go like, eh, you know, it wasn't that good. Or like, it, like basically saying, I know the story. That wasn't the story. You know, part of it is your bona fides. Like, hey, man, yeah. I was there. You know, I know how that went down. Um, my feeling is, is, look, first off, you know, I enjoyed uh, Cobra. Yeah. Like Stallone a lot. I saw the Daylight. book was better. <laughs> <laughs> I watched I watched the hell out of Daylight where he was trapped in the Holland Tunnel. You know, yeah. Uh, I can't really turn my nose up on uh, on movies when I when I like to watch bad movies. Um, it it the, you know first off why do it to yourself? You know, like why go? Ah, oh, that was no good. Why not enjoy the movie? Number one, or try to enjoy the movie, and number two. Um, it's, it's fine just because you know, things doesn't, you don't have to ruin it, but, but it's true. Like I talked to when I was interviewing Robbie Krieger, he was like, I was on the set when they made the doors, you know, um, mm -hmm. with Oliver Stone and he, and I was like, Oh, I love that movie. And he's like, yeah, you know, yeah, it could have done some things differently. And I'm like, yeah, you can't Robbie Krieger can't enjoy it because Robbie Krieger knows the story of how the song light my fire was created. Yeah. And the story is Jim Morrison basically said, Hey, I can't write all the songs. Uh, you guys need to write some songs. And then told like Robbie Krieger when he was like 19 or 20, like go home and write a song. And, uh, and, you know, uh, write it about, you know, something universal or something and, and love or earth or sky or fire or something. Uh, that was Robbie's thought on it. And it, it was funny. He said this thing that made me think some, sometimes in my life, he goes, I went home and I wrote light my fire. And then, you know, I came back the next day with light my fire. And then he goes, nobody else did it. And I thought, Oh yeah, I feel like that's my life where someone goes, all right, everyone, we're going to do this. And then I go home and do it. And then I come back and I look around at all my goofball friends and no one did whatever. <laughs> no one did the work. No one did the homework. Whatever we were supposed to do. So we just came back with Light My Fire and, and that was it. You know, they, they wrote it. Now, like in the movie, Jim is like discovering it for him and, you know, telling him, you know, uh, you know, and Robbie's like, I have a loose idea for a song. And Jim's like, well, it should go this way instead. Now, obviously, if you just went home and wrote the song and brought it in and it was your band's first number one hit and broke you guys, you wouldn't want it to look like it was a big collaboration. Yeah. But that's what happens when you make a movie. So anyone who knows too much about that story, like Robbie Krieger is not going to enjoy that film. I just went to the movie theater when I was 26 and enjoyed the film. Yeah. All right. So you want to talk about <clears throat> Sterling Moss? I, I thought maybe, uh, you know, we've, um, we must've seen him or run into him. I don't know if we ever had a chance to interview him for anything for going race or anything, but we've seen him at Goodwood. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, and, you know, I just remember like walking around and, and seeing the little guy blow by and going, hey, that was Sterling Moss. <laughs> right. And, uh, and you know, Sterling Moss, uh, as you guys know, unfortunately uh, passed away, but had a nice long life of 90 years old. And I just started looking a little bit more into his career. And, uh, and then you and I talked a little bit uh, this week, just uh, casually on the phone saying, hey, you know, Sterling Moss is a name uh, 
that's synonymous with racing for forever. But he had a he had a short career. I mean, he was out when he was 31 years old. So for the next almost 60 years, what do you need to do to to stay relevant? You know, like you're constantly involved in the racing world or or you're you're a likable guy and you know, people want to do stuff with you and invite you to things and, and get your input on things. But, you know, uh, he started racing very young. I want to say he was like 17 years old when he started racing. And I think he won, uh, Chris can double check, like 16 of his 66 races. That's right. And, uh, and then was in a terrible car accident when he was 31 years old which resulted in him being in a coma for a month. Well, I'm and, looking. And then uh, it ended his racing career. I'm he was 31 down, years old. I got a piece of paper here and it says he raced from 48 to 62, winning 212 of the 529 races he entered. Well, um, the six, sorry, the uh, 61 races out of 66 was F1. So oh, 16, 16 out of 66 was, yeah, was F1. F1. That was F1. So I don't know. If oh, okay. Other... Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a very high. Uh, Two hundred twelve out of five hundred thirty races is quite a quite a winning percentage. You don't see that. And uh, yeah, that was just F1. Twenty four podiums, sixteen wins, um, zero champions championships. But uh, he had that horrible injury. What? He raced in 107 seven different types of cars. Mm. Huh. So very personal. See, I I have drove 84 different makes of cars over the course of his racing career, but who the hell knows? The point <laughs> is this. He was a prolific racer, and Goodwood is where he crashed. Goodwood turned out to be a little too dangerous, and that's why they shut it down. I don't know if McLaren died at Goodwood too, or was it like Silverstone or something? Did Goodwood, did McLaren die testing at Goodwood? The other weird, you know, it's weird when you, when you see these guys um, and you realize, I always bring it up to you, like how many of these guys died testing? You know, you just don't think of testing as, as dangerous as in a race. Yeah. But when you, look at um when you think of uh so mclaren died bruce testing. mclaren died age 32 when his cam am cam am car crashed on the levant straight while he's testing the new mclaren m8d at goodwood circuit huh yeah goodwood got i mean they stopped racing there i think in 66 like it was too dangerous <laughs> now they have a big race there every year it's <laughs> <laughs> great um, but um, McLaren died testing. Um, God, could that guy imagine how his name would would carry on? Um, and uh, Ken Miles, of course, died testing. Um, Donahue died testing as well. Uh, Donahue, who drove all the uh, Porsche. Uh, Trans Am cars, or sorry, Can Am Porsches, the nine seventeen thirties. He see, he set the uh, speed record at like, like Talladega in the in the Porsche 
nine seventeen thirty and stuff. He died shortly thereafter, I think, testing uh, F1 and Mark Donahue. And then the other weird thing is, is like if you if you look at like Ford v Ferrari, they'll have that thing where like they're at Daytona and uh, here comes. Here comes Ken Miles, and there's Walt Haskins, and, it's, and they're looking at each other and whatever. And then you go, Walt Haskins? Oh, that guy died a few a few months later when they went to Le Mans. He was testing. Walt Haskins was testing a GT40 at Le Mans, and he died testing. It's a lot of died testing. Just yeah. kind of kind of interesting. And if you watch uh, the G, if you watch a uh, Ford v Ferrari, and you see him going down the straightaway and there's that sort of evil Ferrari driver. And uh, he's like, they're looking at each other and fit, uh, you know, Ken miles looking at him and he's looking at him and they're going down the thing. Uh, I'll think of that guy as like Benzini or something. That guy died a couple of months later in an F1 crash, like a horrible Jeez. fire. Like you just look at these ancillary guys. Like they're not making these guys up. That's a, uh, it's like it's like it's not Roberto. It's like um, it's Gonzini or something. I'll think of the guy's name. I got it written down somewhere. But the point is, is he's the nemesis. He's the Ferrari nemesis, tough guy driver for Ferrari. That Ken Miles, who's leading, so the guy's leading um, the Le Mans, and Ken's got to catch him, but he breaks his car and and blah blah blah, and. Uh, and then he's dead in this horrible fiery crash, like just, I think at Monaco, like like mm-hmm. a few months later. So it's like all these names who are even around these people are dead half, half the time. I mean, yeah. I, I, obviously the guy who won that race with Ken Miles, McLaren, he's dead. Like it, it, there was just so much. Could you imagine that amount of death in, in a sport I, I, today? And- and and so much damage. Like we're you know, uh, Sterling Moss broke both his legs and screwed himself up in 1960, and then two years later was his bigger accident at Goodwood, which ended his career and put him in a coma. But it wasn't his first, you know, like significant damage. And the the Goodwood event, he was uh, he was in an F1 car with no seatbelt. Right. Well, they didn't want to catch on. They want to catch on fire. Lorenzo Bandini, that's the guy. Yeah, There's film of, of his F1 crash. I mean, it's just a fiery mess. So it's funny. Yeah, he wasn't, you know, Sterling Moss wasn't wearing a seatbelt. Uh, Lorenzo Bandini's car just caught on fire. Like, yeah. I, I don't know why they couldn't fucking figure out the fuel situation. Like, nobody mm-hmm. done the, nobody, nobody could conceive of a bladder. <laughs> I, I guess not. I, it, I, I don't know. It's kind of a weird thing. A good question for Pete Brock, right? Somebody who is, who is there uh, yeah. during, during some of this stuff. But uh, Well, I uh, mean, fire was such a – look, the thing about fire is the reason none of those guys wanted to get bolted into a car is because of fire. So yeah. because – Nobody wanted a cage and a six-way harness and a blah, blah, blah because of fire. So if you could have eliminated the fire, you then could have stepped up with your harness 
harnesses and your roll bars and your other stuff. You could have stepped up the harness game, but no one wanted to get harnessed in until they figured out the fire situation. And all they had was an aluminum can with tons of gas in it. That obviously is not going to work for a fire. And the only conceivable, the only conceivable option would be to put a bladder inside of the tank, uh, inside the aluminum tank. You have a, you have Lorenzo Bandini. Yeah, I love that name. By the way, it's a great name. He's at Monaco the next, the next year. He's at Le Mans '66. He's at Monaco in '67. He's buzzing. Uh, he's buzzing around the track, and then all of a sudden, there's a ball Ooh. of fire, and uh, he's gone. I, yeah. I don't. It, it instant weird, fire. Instant, instant ball of fire. You're instant right. Instant ball of fire. It it's almost like it's dangerous on purpose, like to a fault. Like just, it's amazing how boom, instant fire. It's just all fuel and flames at that point. You're right. There's no, I don't know, like what kind of thin gauge metals happening with you know for lightweight on a fuel tank and and you know. I gar I guarantee that. By night, that's 1967. I don't, I don't know when the first bladder hit, but and and that footage is kind of weird. It looks like there's a cut. It's kind of hard to tell, but it just looks like he caught a tire on something and just flames. Yeah. Okay. Here's the thing. Um, I guarantee you that the military had aircraft with tanks that had like self-sealing or whatever tanks or bladders or some form of that by 1967. I mean, by 1967, the military was launching, you know, F4 Phantoms off of, off of jet. Uh, yeah, probably or, 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 or uh, A4s or whatever, probably F4s and A4s off fucking decks in the, the Gulf of Tonkin. I mean, we should have had a bladder and a fucking tank and a car. Yeah. At, at, at least, well, this is where the weight thing comes in, where at, at the very least, there was probably different type of blast shields and fire shields and, and uh, you know, reinforced metal plates and stuff where a little extra weight probably uh, is, you know, is, is worth the level of safety that you're getting. Uh, because that, you know, the Bandini crash, that that instant ball of flame doesn't look like just a fuel line. Like you'd never get that much fuel out of a fuel line that quickly. No, no. You know, and, like and that's the tank. That's just booms it ball of fire, you know? Right. Um, when is, when do you think the first fuel bladder? Now it's going to be tough to say, was it used, but was mandatory in F1? Oh, I don't know. Um, that's, that's an interesting question, right? I mean, they had them in road racing. A lot of my, you know, I got dots and roadsters that have a fuel cell, the fuel bladder in them. I mean, they're not, it's not the same bladder because they deteriorate over years, but they probably had a fuel bladder back in the day. I'd be curious as to when those were in use. When did the well, fuel bladder? I think, I think a self sealing fuel tank original patent was submitted in 1918 and then uh 
somehow it was rescinded and then a self puncture sealing covering for fuel containers, I believe got a patent in 1921. Yeah, that's a, <laughs> a little bit of help, but it's not really. No, but there was, a, but it just means that the technology was. Yeah. Was, somebody was, was thinking there. about it. Yeah. Look, I, I look in, in the sixties, we had military jets that were capable of going supersonic. What, what was, what's up with the tanks? on the F1 cars, when did, when did F1, when was the rule that all the cars had to have fuel cells? And uh, when was it for uh, GT cars or, or NASCAR? Yeah, or NASCAR or something. I, I'm, it's, uh, it's hard to find, but I'm seeing for F1, 1970 is when that style of bag tanks were made mandatory to prevent ruptures, fuel spillage, and fire. <laughs> sounds about right like yeah. obviously in the late 60s you didn't see it and you didn't really see all the fires in 75 so it must have been right about 70 but again not sure why they didn't fucking implement that or get to work on it i mean if i went to sean in the back of my shop and i said hey sean there's a there's an issue with these lightweight aluminum boxes called fuel tanks blowing up and everyone burning like could you work on it? It'd take him about three days to figure out that if he put a, like a ballistic type rubber in the lining of the tank that wasn't degraded by the fuel, that that would go a pretty fucking long way in preventing this shit. Yeah. I, I, I just, I don't feel like it was that tall an order. Right. And to your point, this isn't because one guy got hurt and they're going, oh, maybe we need it. Maybe we don't. Like, we're already going on decades of people getting hurt or killed and caught on well, fire. I mean, not, I mean what, what it is, it, it, but it's a it's a ripple effect because if everyone's greatest nightmare is to burn alive, everyone's everyone's greatest fear is to burn alive in a car that's turned over on them, right? Like that, that's, that's the greatest fear of every driver. Well, then no one's going to wear a seatbelt. They're just going to take their chances outside of the car. Yeah. <clears throat> All right, let me hit uh, bet online. Nothing to bet on, right? Wrong. Bet online has hundreds of ways to wager. They bring Vegas to you, uh, online poker, blackjack. Yeah, have a little fun during the quarantine. Miss the NFL, <clears throat> live daily Madden NFL, 20 simulations to uh, wager on. Plus, Big Brother, American Idol, stocks, even uh, Nathan's hot dog eating contest. That's coming up, yeah. <laughs> Tune in to the uh, end of this uh, podcast for uh, Rob's sis- sister Nino's uh, interview with uh, Joey Chestnut, Bet Online, and Bet Online's Dave Mason on the Bet Online Quarantine Channel quarantine challenge this weekend bet online our exclusive partner podcast one sign up for free account with promo code podcast one for a hundred percent sign up bonus visit betonline.ag don't forget promo code podcast one for your hundred percent sign up bonus all right what else we got i was just curious is the uh, is the hot dog eating champion is that guy rich like what what are the accolades for eating the most hot dogs like other than free hot dogs. Well, like, Joey Chestnut, <laughs> I interviewed years ago uh, on my morning show. He was working, you know, like 
I don't know if he was doing construction or like working at a warehouse or something, but he was definitely had a day job. Kobayashi was the, the big favorite to win. He was winning. The Japanese fellow was winning everything. And uh, Joe, Joey's like nipping at his heels. <clears throat> at some point, Joey passed him and has been dominating like ever since. And I don't even know if Kobayashi does it anymore. Now, I didn't answer your question. <laughs> I mean, does, does Chestnut still work at Home Depot or like what's going on? <laughs> I don't think, you know, what he does, what he does to the best of my knowledge is he does hot dog eating, then he does rib eating, then he does like hot wing eating and blah, blah, blah. I don't, uh, I'm not a fan of the rib and the hot wing because there's a bone involved and it's, uh, we can't, it's not technical enough. I, I like the whole thing to be gone. Yeah. Well, I get you. Like you watch the Olympics and somebody was running track or something at the Olympics doing the hurdles, but we don't see as like through the course of the year, they're, they're doing, you know, world championships and whatever, whatever. So I guess you got to just keep eating <laughs> throughout the year. We have is all well, just the, uh, the online celebrity net worth. And we know how widely that can vary, but yeah. I want to guess what you think it is. I, 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 $2 million. Um, yeah, that, that doesn't, it doesn't seem wildly, uh, wildly off to me that, uh, I mean, there's endorsements, I guess. Um, I'm going to go 1.5. Oh, damn it. It's literally 1.5 to $2 million. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. looked it up earlier in the week. Well, yeah. I, I guess uh, I guess Nike and uh, is not a part of the, uh, the hot dog eating competition because uh, it seems a little low for for one of their endorsements. <clears throat> kind of counteracts the whole be athletic and fit kind yeah. of thing. You know. Well, the 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 thing the thing that's funny is Joey used to be what you just call like a big husky dude, but he's now lean and mean that he's winning all these eating competitions and Kobayashi who used to win all the competitions was a freak. Like that guy had a six pack and was like, I don't know. Kobayashi, as I recall, was like, you know, five ten, one sixty, and like shredded. <laughs> like, so it, it, it really, it, it, you know, I know everyone kind of has that like Monty Python version of the big eaters, but it turns out, the guys that are in fantastic shape and better athletes tend to be better at it. Yeah. I, that yeah. is a, that's my that's experience. I don't know why we went off on this, but I was just curious because I'm sure you talked to the guys at some point. I'm just wondering what the, well, the way, the day you know, you know the, the way I met Joe Coy, the way I met Joe Coy many years ago is he was Kobayashi he would play Kobayashi on the radio and he would oh. call in and he would taunt Joey Chestnut. And <laughs> Joey didn't even really fully know like if that was, jo- you know, Kobayashi or like who this guy was, but he'd play these, he'd, he'd call in and taunt him. And I didn't even know who, I, I didn't know who Joe Coy was. Like I, I didn't know all the stand-up comedians. This is, you know, 13 years ago or something, 14 years ago or something. And, you know, Mike August is just like, eh, I got this guy's going to play Kobayashi. Like, I don't even think he t- 
told me it was Joe Coy because I, I was like, who's Joe Coy? Like, I don't know. I don't know who this person is, yeah. but that's who he is. And so he would call in as Kobayashi. And, you know, uh, two months ago, I opened for him at the forum. So <laughs> he opened for Joey Chestnut. <laughs> and so uh, so keep, keep going, everybody. Yeah. You, right? never, you never know what the future holds. Yeah. yeah. But from the time he was doing that show, I mean, he was doing my show in like, I don't know, 07, maybe 08. Yeah. I don't, I don't remember. It, it had been, it had been a while since, uh, from the time he was unknown doing Kobayashi on my show to the time he was selling out the forum, but, but he, he kept at it kids. So if you're listening, that's, uh, <laughs> that's the idea, right? Yeah. So, uh, let's see. Ford Mach E electric specs. You have something for us? Yeah, I was looking for some good news in the automotive world, <laughs> and everything seems to be you know between Kyle Larson and Mike Lavalley dime. I don't know if you know Mike Lavalley. We talked about it earlier this week with uh, Goldberg, and I went into it because he knew him well. Mike Lavalley was the airbrush painter on overhauling. He did real flames. He did like right. a lot of the airbrush stuff. He he died last night as Tuesday uh, huh. night. Um, How old was he? 60 i believe he had a stroke he was in the hospital and uh you know a lot of the fans were rallying for him he's a nice guy but so i was looking for some good news in the in the car world and um and the ford mach e which is the electric uh little crossover suv type vehicle that uh, will be coming out soon that i like i think it looks really good i went for a ride in one mm-hmm. um now the information is coming out and and saying hey we can revise the numbers. It's going to have a little more horsepower, excuse me, a little more horsepower and torque than we thought. And, uh, you know, we were kind of breaking it down a little bit about how does this stuff kind of happen. And it's like when you go and you buy, you, you go buy your, your Mustang GT, it needs to have the right balance between fuel efficiency and emissions and performance. Mm-hmm. And as soon as you take it and you bring it home, you can do whatever you want and you can put a tune in it and get, you know, 35 extra horsepower, but you might lose another mile per gallon or something in the process. And that's fine, right. you know. And so Ford has to do a thing, especially with the electric cars. They can say, hey, it goes zero to 60 in five and a half seconds. Can it do it in 5.1? Sure, we can just adjust the software. But now what does that do to the overall range of the vehicle? Right. Right. So what they figured out is, is, hey, we can make this thing perform a little bit better, turn up the power, and not alter the range. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where the revised numbers are coming from. So, you know, it's on average, whatever, 15, 16 horsepower bumps, you know, you know 11, 12 uh, foot-pounds of torque. Um, but who knows? Maybe that translates to... Uh, another tenth off the zero to sixty or something like that, depending on whatever mode you're in. Um, but it seems to be like the range will still be at about two thirty on the low end for the low battery, I think, or it might be two two ten on the low end and three hundred on the high end. Um, but with uh, the range, yeah, you yeah, know, we, with the different batteries that well, they're going to have, uh, and all wheel drive versus rear wheel drive. My kids are turning fourteen and a few months or maybe a month or maybe let's see when are we month and a half whatever chris can google it chris will google <laughs> uh my kids are turning 14 soon 
Yeah. When, when they turn 16 two years from now, they're not going to, they're going to, they're not going to buy a gas car. Are they? I, I don't know that they do because first of all, the electric cars are, are becoming more affordable. You're talking about, you know, you know, Tesla, uh, you know, Nissan Leaf, Tesla, uh, you know, Model 3. And, and these, these Mustang Mach-E's are going to start at like 44 grand. Sure, they can get up to 60,000 or so, but, uh, or, or more, but, you know, they're not $120,000 cars anymore. Like you can, you can get this into a pretty good price range. And yeah, it's like, you know, we like what we like and, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of fun to have, you know, you know, the, the loud, whatever muscle car or truck or something. Yeah. That's for, uh, that's for us. I mean, my, my kids aren't going to, they're not going to want that. Right. But there is, it is kind of coming to a point where, uh, you know, I go, Hey, you know, if we got to go to the studio of a few days a week or go to Orange County to do podcasts or whatever, an electric Mach E wouldn't be bad to have. You're not going to take away the other things that I like, you know, the other cars, you know, the yeah. loud, whatever. Uh, but why, why not have the, uh, have, have the cool kind of electric car one that's now it's fun to drive and it looks good and it's kind of sporty. Yeah. And, no, I, you know? I think, I think, I think we're there. I think, um, is, is, is the Mustang, i uh, sorry, is the, Ford E Mustang, whatever. Is that all available? Could I, could I, if I went down to Galpin and I talked to Bo Bachman and I said, Hey, I really want one of those cars like Pronto. How long would it take? Okay. So, um, the, it was supposed to be available soon, but with the coronavirus thing, they're delaying the launch. Um, orders were taken for the first edition and mm-hmm. I think that's sold out. And mm-hmm. then I, I think there's going to be another like sort of, order process happening um but you can't go to the dealer and get one right now it's still going to be i don't know the exact date on it yet i don't know um it's looking like uh, 2021 it's going to be a little bit right so i will uh, how about this <clears throat> we're we're close like we're we're really close now there's a lot of options the price is down um have the leaf and the bolt, and the volt or bolt. <laughs> bolt yeah, bolt. the volt is gone now. We have a bolt. <clears throat> we have a bolt. Uh, Tesla has the three. A lot of options, a lot of whatever. Like we're, we're there right now. But um, infrastructure, a little bit, range, you know, still mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. can't get. Well, I don't know. Can we get from here to Vegas? What's Vegas? Two hundred and something miles. Yeah, but there's a there's like a fast charger or something on the way. Right. At least for the Teslas, but, I'm not sure how it the, the Ford cars. Ford stuff you couldn't get t- tomorrow. You'd have to wait a year or whatever it is. I'm just I'm going to say that, and I'm going to pro- proclaim this. I'm going to proclaim that when my two twins turn sixteen two years from now that will be the point where we tipped. That'll be, it doesn't, that'll be the first time it doesn't make sense not to get an electric car. Now, <clears throat> we all know that, you know, Rob Schneider pulled up in his Tesla Roadster eight years ago or whatever. And it was like, hey, he's a, an eccentric celebrity with no kids, you know, fine. And he's a, he's a dwarf. So let him drive a Tesla, you know, let him pay $120,000 or whatever, 
Yeah. But, and then, then it started getting into the, the leaf and stuff, but the, but the range or the BMW, I, whatever, but the range and blah, blah, blah. And then now we're at a point where it's like, um, my wife drives an electric car. I don't. It makes sense for her. Maybe not so much for me. I say when my kids turn 16, like literally throughout the course of history, you'll mm-hmm. be able to look back to that date, you know, 2022 and go, that's the year it actually made more sense financially, spiritually, whatever. Like it actually, you know, the environmental movement, everything else. It actually made more sense to drive an electric at that point. At yes, this but- point, it's a little like a- that's a little bit of a coin toss, maybe the gas. Got but I, I, would, I would also add to that argument in that the cars are going to be cooler by then. So, right. you know, sure. 16-year-old, 17-year-old, Sonny and Natalia are going to go, hey, Dad, that thing looks cool. You know, it's like, all, check, right, out this, it's check all, out this kind of Mustang-looking thing, this sporty yes. thing, and it's no longer you know, making a statement or, or kind of a hipster thing or even an affluent thing. Like they're more affordable. They look kind of cool. Yeah. Bright no, colors. Well, and that's, fun it's and, all, that's all part of the equation, but that's all part yeah. of the more sense. I don't, we're, mm-hmm. we're right there. I'd say when my kids turn 16, we will, we'll go electric. Um, let me hit Geico. Chris has a question about a Newman 911. Um, Sean's sawing up the tail of uh, the uh, Sebring 911 as we as we speak. Talk about that. Maybe another show. Take some pictures of it. Geico, everyone. You want to? Uh, well, you have homeowners insurance. You have renters insurance. Why don't we bundle? We'll get our bundle on at uh, Geico. You just go to Geico.com. Take a, either your homeowners, or your renters insurance, and uh, bundle it with your auto insurance and save a bunch of money and make things a little easier on yourself. That is uh, Geico. Geico.com makes it so much easier to bundle at Geico. That's Geico.com. All right, Max Pata, Porsche um, question. So as actually about the, uh, the tail. So uh, I looked at Sean's Instagram and he posted this picture of the, we talked about it two weeks ago of the uh, 911S he, Porsche, how they had that wing under the tail. So Sean posted a picture of, of him fabricating it the, almost the day of you mentioning <laughs> yeah it. uh and then later on i just see this picture which is everything taken apart and i was just curious as to what happened. oh not just taken apart that's all cut up <laughs> yeah that's not taken apart that's cut apart yeah that's oh, that's you get one shot you know that's what it is <laughs> yes yeah, so i guess i'm just asked for an update on what, what's going on um sean's got his wheel out and his pneumatic cutter and his wheel and he's cutting everything with his wheel by the way people don't use like a sawzall or a jigsaw like a reciprocating blade when you're cutting uh fiberglass like this or many things use a wheel it's a very thin wheel it's so much easier to uh do it um he's taking the existing fiberglass deck lid with a big tail in it and he's cutting out a lot of it and he's shortening it up and he's making a lot more narrow and he's going to put it all back together and have to re-glass it and repaint it, restripe it and re-everything it. But it was my decision that this car, since it went back to the paint scheme that it had in 1977 when it ran at Sebring, 
with uh, Bill Freeman and Paul Newman driving it, it needed the tail that was correct as well. And the tail was not correct. The tail was off of a, the tail was off a more modern car and, or, or I shouldn't even say a more modern car, just it wasn't modified as this one was modified. They put these side canards or skirts on it. They shortened it up. It looks really cool. I, I know it didn't work that well because no one else adopted it. But either way, that was the car as it raced at Sebring in 1977. And I was like, well, then that's what we have to put it back to. And it was definitely bespoke. I have never seen another Porsche with that modification on its tail. And Matt and I have walked through many paddocks and looked at many Porsches, right? We've never seen this before. I'm so curious to how this is going to change anything. Now you haven't driven the car yet, so there's not going to be sort of a an apples to apples comparison, but I, I'm, I'm just so curious as to what they were thinking when they did it. And I mean, we can make some assumptions and what the result was and why it didn't show up again. <laughs> so, I mean, and, and it went to Bullwinkle racing after this and it stayed that way for a little while. And then at some point they switched it. All right. Uh, so you can, uh, where do you go to follow all this stuff, Max? Pat, our YouTube page? Yeah, check out our YouTube page. Just go to carcastshow.com. All the links are there. Find this podcast, the YouTube, everything. And you can go to Chassis, C-H-A-S-S-Y, and look at, get the Blu-ray or the poster, or the T-shirt or whatever, Uppity and all those those movies as well. I think we'll even sign them and send them out to you when this whole thing blows over. Um, and uh, you can go to amcrawler.com. I got my new book, uh, I'll Be Your Emotional Support Animal, and that's uh, available for pre-order on Amazon, and you can get the audio book as well. Matt, what do you got? Uh, just uh, posting some stuff, um, some old photos and new stuff all of my social media up on Motorator. So, till next, so until next time, Adam Crow for Matt, the Motorator, DeAndrea, saying, keep the air in the spare and the bag in the wheel. For the latest updates and call-in times, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at CarCast Show. If you'd like to write in, fill out the form on CarCastShow.com. And don't forget to give us a nice rating on iTunes. CarCast is a Corolla Digital production and is produced by Chris Loxamana. For more information, visit CarCastShow.com. Hey guys, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. And uh, just a reminder to uh, check out our friends at Geico. Whether you own your home or rent your home, either way, uh, it, it, it can be a lot of work, but bundling your policies with Geico is super easy. You can bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. And it's a good thing because you have so much to do around the home already. So just go to geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you can save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. All right. Um, I'm just going to... As things change... 
other things stay the same, like Ohio Lottery scratch-offs. From small tickets to big tickets, from bright colors to flashy themes, there's something for everyone. Big wins make big stories, but it's the millions of small wins every day that make life-changing memories. And your biggest win will come by following the state-recommended safety protocols during this special holiday season. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Please play responsibly. <laughs> you know, as different as everything seems this holiday season, one thing still holds true year after year. Everybody loves holiday scratch-offs from the Ohio Lottery. And with tickets available from $1 to $20, they're the perfect gift for anyone on your list 18 years or older. So, stay safe this year and play it safe with your gift-giving. Give scratch-offs from the Ohio Lottery. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Please play responsibly.